Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of Our Science. This is part of what we hope is going to become a new series called Our Science Bites. And my guests on this episode are very familiar to you. It's Ian Black. Hi. And Katie Ellsworth. Hello. I have two names now. I don't think I, you've ever okay. full introduced us before. Every single time I use your both names. Do you? Yep. About a month ago, we got a message on Twitter from a researcher called Darwin Guevara. And he had a paper that he had published that he thought we'd be interested in. Normally, when we do these episodes, we use Reddit to select the top three articles of the last two weeks. So we usually don't take requests. Kind of goes against the rules that we've made up for ourselves. But since we've made up those rules, we can break them too. And this was a really cool paper, and we liked that we had engagement from a researcher, so we wanted to talk about it. So this is what we're doing. And we're hoping this is going to become semi-regular as a way to not only dive a bit deeper into a paper than the normal 10 minutes we allocate to the regular ones we do, but also get some information from the researcher themselves. So I had a conversation with this researcher on Twitter and found some sort of background information on the study and about the topic of the research. And so now we can we can dive a little bit deeper than we normally would. But for now, let's go into to this paper. And it comes, it was published in Nature Communications. Which is a super neat journal name. Yeah, and it doesn't, this does not, so for the record, this is just the paper. This is not coming from an article because we're not finding this in like a magazine or any other like science website this is coming straight from the researchers so is is nature communications an offshoot of nature probably i believe it is i believe that nature has sort of a bunch of subsets yeah, like, yeah we yeah, talked that, about this at yeah, the end of the last episode before, yeah, yeah. i was gonna say I, yeah. I was having deja vu for a second no, no, that's why i was weird. asking this article is called placebos without deception reduce self-report and neural measures of emotional distress so we're gonna talk about placebos and placebos are really cool and these they are the type are. of things that aren't going to like show they're not like flashy so they're not going to show up as much on something like reddit but i think like just in case you don't know what a placebo is a placebo is it's non-active treatment like it's treatment that has no active component to it yeah. the most common term is like a sugar pill but which like is, i don't which is which is very misleading that feels like a slur <laughs> every time i say sugar pill it feels like a slur to placebos i don't know why well i think it's misleading because sugar is an active ingredient <laughs> Like, if you pop a sugar pill, you're going to feel better because you just ate some sugar. It's inert. Yeah. In theory, like, a, a placebo is inert. It has no active effect. Yes, in terms of what they're specifically studying. So you can you can use sugar pl pills as a placebo if, like, the other things you're giving somebody are, I don't know, cancer drugs. Traditionally, when I think of them in studies, is because we're testing out this new drug, and we've got 100 people, and we're going to get 50 of them the new drug, and we're going to go give 50 of them a pill that we're going to tell them is the new drug, but is actually inert. Yes. And so that becomes like, they're still taking a pill, but they're not actually getting the medicine. And then we're going to see how those results compare to the actual pill. Yeah. But the trouble is that the placebo effect is that even when people take the inert pill, they still report have it having an effect on them. They, they still feel better. Yeah. So like... Sorry, I just wanted to clarify, like, if you're using it in, like, a, a cancer trial or something, like, they have had issues, instances where people will self-report feeling a lot better. Yes. But they don't actually have, like, reduced tumor growth or whatever. Okay, so so now that we all understand what, what a placebo is, what is the study, Alan? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ian. <laughs> the study is talking about what happens if you give pl people placebos without deception so normally when you give someone a placebo you don't tell them it's a placebo and this is how in my head it's always been that you're tricking yourself exactly yeah yeah like that's how it's always felt is that like you're telling yourself this is actually medicine 
So when you take it, you're going like, yeah, I feel better because I just took medicine, but really you're not. But this thing, well, what if we tell someone it's a placebo? What if we give you a pill and say, this, there's nothing medical in this. This is inert. There's no active ingredient. Take it. Will you feel better? Sorry, that's a bit misleading, I think, in the way that you're describing that, because okay. it's not it's not people saying, here's a pill, take it, it's going to do nothing for you. It's, here's a pill, it's a placebo. Placebos have been known to do things good for you. And then that's you're fair. just like, because yep. it's, it's, it's totally different than saying, this is going to do nothing for you. But you're not hiding the fact that it's a placebo. No, they're not hiding the yeah. fact that it, yeah. it's a placebo, but they're still saying, here's a placebo. It could, It's still probably going to help you. And that's still you kind of tricking yourself, because you're like, oh. It's going to help me, so it helps me. Yeah. Katie brings up a, a very valid point here, is that the this study is really focused on, like, okay, if we take, uh, looking at what happens if we don't deceive people at all. We tell them basically the whole truth about what's going to happen when you take this placebo. There's been research that shows that it will have benefits for you. Will those benefits still occur if we are upfront with everybody? Um but there's also, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, there was a second side to this, with a second kind of experiment where they didn't just want to look at the self-reporting yes. of whether or not people felt better. They wanted to see if there was actually a, a biochemical or physiological response in the body within them, like neurologically making them feel better. Um, there are two experiments in the study. And the instinct for me when I heard about this was that if you tell someone it's a placebo, it shouldn't have as much of an effect because they're going to know it's a placebo. So in theory, it would make sense to me if it doesn't, if it has no effect anymore. And yet. And yet. <laughs> you thought you were wrong. You thought it don't be like that, but it do. Oh, it do. <laughs> so here's, here's what they did. They had two groups. They had the, the non-deceptive placebo group and the control group. The control group got nothing. Sucks to be them. No, the, con the control group. Did they get a placebo placebo? They got the same spray. That's I was looking through the methods, and I thought it was really interesting in that they gave each group the same nasal spray, but they told them they were for different things. The first group, they told them it was a placebo, and they were like, here is what placebos do. The second group, they said, this just helps with the conductivity for the brain scanning we're doing. Yeah, this Katie's right. One's they're saying this is a placebo. The other one they're saying it's like, this is to help with the measurements. Mm -hmm. So it has nothing to do with with any of your symptoms whatsoever. So th that was how they avoided having a placebo effect in their placebo effect study. Yeah, which I thought was super cool. <laughs> it is brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. They must have like, this must, this seems like it was a top study to put together. I love, st I love, I love it when they come up with like really cool ways of yeah. getting around those problems though. It's I guarantee you there's some late night meetings with a lot of coffee about like, how do we do this? Yeah. How, how do we prevent the placebo effect from happening during our trial on placebo effects without giving them a placebo and then the answer is you just have to tell people what you want them to think and then people will be like yeah okay so these two groups the placebo and the control group were shown 40 images that divide in two categories 30 of those images were categorized as negative images so you see 40 you got 40 images and then people are asked to self-report how they felt about each image on a nine point scale with one being um fine and nine being oh this is very negative yeah, so they run through these 40 images, and they're asked how they feel about each one. And then these are then these are reported based on whether or not you're placebo in the control group. So for the neutral images, if an image is neutral, which is, I don't know, like a black square or whatever they do for neutral, then it doesn't really matter whether you have the placebo control or not. That's what we expect. When these groups viewed the negative images, those who had the non-deceptive placebo 
reported having less negative feelings than those in the control group. So you felt less stressed, you felt less negative when you saw negative images when you were given this placebo, when you were told you were giving a placebo. What was what was it that they were saying this placebo was for? Was it did they just say it's a placebo uh, or did they say this is a placebo for reducing emotional distress? Oh, yes, it did. Okay, so they were told that it contained no active ingredients, but would help reduce their negative emotional reactions to viewing distressing images if they believed it would. Is this just an alarming uh, example of how willing we are to just follow an authority figure? I mean, kind of. <laughs> it's like, here's here's something that will do absolutely, that has absolutely no active ingredients, but it's going to make you feel better because I said so, and then everyone just feels better. <laughs> So yeah, that's worth mentioning is that the people in the, the placebo group read about the placebo effect. And so they understood the, the concept behind the placebo effect. They were educated in that. I just think it's really funny that the people in the control group had to read about the neural processes underlying the experience of pain. Yes, yeah, sucks to be in sucks to be in the control group. That's pretty much all experiments. Sucks to be in the control group. Yeah. If you're going to well, experiment, it demand the, that, that, that you're not. not that's not necessarily true. No. I would argue that in the Stanford prison experiment, I would all be cases, in the control group. <laughs> all cases. All cases. You want to be in that experimental group. That's where the fun happens. So that's experiment one. But the trouble is that you can you can have self-reporting being a bit biased. Like you're, you're just reporting on yourself. It can it can have some... What's the word I'm looking for here? It, I guess bias is fine. It's, it's biased. It's... it's people, people are... People are not the most trustworthy... Even when they're trying to be trustworthy, you might feel like, "Oh, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm in the experimental group. I've got this placebo. I'm supposed to be feeling less stress about this. Therefore, I guess I am. So I'm going to put all my numbers lower, even if it's just subconsciously. True. Yeah. Like you might be influenced by that. So getting people to self-report, not ideal. It's the easiest, which is why a lot of people do it. But like, it's not. It only goes so far, which is why let's put. Let's put people in with electrodes and stick eggs on them. Okay, e-E-G. is that your favorite? Okay, yeah. Anyone who's watched any sort of medical show would know that it's an EEG. Eeg. <laughs> I never pronounce. I never pronounce anything by its acronym. You know this. I, I know. Pronounce it's everything true. as one word. Yeah. It's a running joke, you hack. No. You're not funny. <laughs> And it's an electro. Yeah, in order for it to be a joke, people have to laugh. Yeah, that's the, what I'm, you know, the only, it's, I'm sorry, it's the too, only, I'm the sorry. only joke here is your life. Oh, uh. go suck an egg. <laughs> Please don't. This was gross. They did the same thing with the placebos. They did the same thing with the two groups. You got a placebo and you got a control group. They did all the same. There's a there's now sixty pictures, thirty negative and thirty neutral, uh, which are broken down to two blocks, and they've constantly got this EEG on their heads, which measures uh, the like the brain impulses. That's like super, super oversimplifying it. So they've they've got these EEGs running, and they're they're looking at uh, what's called late positive potential, which again, great oversimplification, but essentially just measures emotional distress. And they found that those in the placebo group had less emotional distress in their brains, not self-reporting, but directly by looking, you know, as much as we can look at a brain and emotional response, they were having less emotional distress when looking at these images based on this placebo. Which is, is wild to me. It blows my mind that you can tell someone this is a saline solution. We're going to stick it up your nose and you're going to be happier. 
it just goes to show that like the human mind is so much more sheep. powerful than you think it is because you can literally trick yourself into feeling better if you think about it hard enough. We're all sheep looking for an overlord. You two are going very different directions with this. Your mind is more powerful than you think also you're a sheep. <laughs> your mind is your mind is weak. You have no will. Freedom's an illusion. Okay. Well, uh Ian's having his time over there. Um, I'm going to talk about how I think this is literally just how homeopathy works because it's just like, here's this thing. It's going to do the thing that you, it says it does, even though there's literally nothing in it. Um, there's no there's no active ingredient, but it works. And that's that's the thing. So this is where we get into, I was I was talking with the researcher here. He's the, he's the head researcher. He's got top billing, as it were. This is the benefit of talking with Darwin, is that I got a chance to ask him about some of the misconceptions about placebos. And as someone who researches placebos, what are the type of things that people need to know that aren't going to get picked up in like a scientific article, like Cypos or Scientific American or anywhere else that you're going to get sort of popular science news? These things aren't going to come out. So uh, here's some, here are the two things that he wanted to clear up. One is that depending on the domain, placebos can lead to genuine beneficial effects. These are not just like fake effects. These are not just like, oh, you're, you know, you're tricking yourself into feeling better. No, these are genuine measurable effects this this works just as well as actual active medication does okay well i there's something i want to bring up here because i think there's a brilliant quote from this paper that i love when talking about the impact that placebo has depending on the domain what do you mean when you say depending on the domain alan this is my first question uh yeah uh i'm well i'm glad you ask domain is like the type of treatment so we talked earlier about this isn't going to treat cancer. It's not going to start putting your cells into remission, but it's, it's more for, and I don't, it's not necessarily exclusively mental, but these are the types he listed, which is most types of pain, emotional distress, anxiety, and depression. Yeah. Those are the exam. Those are the examples he gave to me. That doesn't yes. mean it's a comprehensive list, but I, I, like those are the big ones. I wanted to also say that in the paper, they do also say that um, irritable bowel syndrome and other GI upset can be uh, affected by placebos, which I think is super neat as well. Because it's physical conditions as well as mental. Yeah. And they're real effects. Like, that's the thing. That's the whole thing with this, that people don't think they're real effects. People think that it's just, like, uh, it's some fake thing. It's a fake effect because it's fake medicine. No, this is a real effect. It's a real, it's genuine... fake medicine. It's real effect with long-term, like, lasting benefits. And I think that's another big thing is that when he's saying, like, fake effect, like, they think if it's, if it's a, if it's a fake, if it's a fake treatment, it's only going to give you, like, temporary yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we mean by domain is that there's certain things that it's not going to like do deal with. But and they mention in the introduction, which I thought was really interesting, there's a lot of there's not a lot, but there is some conflicting reports on how effective placebos are at a biological level. And they bring up that a lot of this these problems, uh, looking at objective biological measurements, is because they're focusing on the placebo effect on like the wrong domain. Yeah, yeah, or on, that was on a domain that, so like you know, how how effective is a placebo at healing wounds? Well, physical <laughs> wounds probably not very effective. But his argument, and he puts it really succinctly, is that if a deceptive placebo isn't going to induce a benefit, then why would you expect a, a non-deceptive placebo. a non-deceptive placebo to induce a benefit? So it's like this only works on things where deceptive placebos also work. And I. Sh- I should say that I said there were two things he wanted to point out. The second one is about domains and that the domain is important and that 
it's not going to treat every symptom in every condition. I actually thought it was really interesting. The thing that the researcher said in, in, in our Twitter chat with him is that he's really interested in how it could potentially affect people with like COVID related stress. And that's really important for everybody right now. So like key message for this paper, what would we say is the key message here for this, for this, for this research? That placebos don't have to be deceptive in order to work and that they do genuinely work and will affect your brain chemistry. I'm going to take a quote right out of this dang, the dang paper. It says non-deceptive placebos may offer a cost-effective intervention to help manage a host of clinical disorders and non-clinical symptoms. So that's all the time we have for this paper. We want to thank uh, Mr. Darwin Guevara. We're going to, we're going to post a, a really great thread that he did on Twitter that gives a, a really quick look at what the results were. So check out our Twitter at our O-U-R Signs pod on Twitter. Check out us first and follow us first. And then in there will be a link to all the tweets he did when this episode comes out so that you can, you can go give him a look, uh, look out as well. You can give him a, a follow. Uh, he's got lots of great stuff on his Twitter. And he's got a great thread about this paper specifically that we'll be sure to retweet. We're, we are going to do these special Bytes episodes as often as we can because we really enjoy them and we like hearing straight from the researchers. If you are a researcher, if you know researchers, if you have, if, if you, for all the researchers out there, for anybody who has contact with researchers, get them to send us papers. We want your papers. We want your papers. Slide into and our DMs. Be able, Slide yeah, right DM in. us. You can email us. It's just rsciencepod at gmail. Go email us. Twitter, smoke signals. I don't care. And I'm also going to post, there'll be a thread on Twitter for sort of the, the rules of engagement, so to speak. They're really minor, essentially just... Be prepared to spend like 20 minutes talking to me on Twitter so I can ask you questions about your study. And other than that, you're done. Woo! A genuine question. Are we open to having the researcher come on the podcast if they want to? Absolutely, if they want to. On behalf of Katie and Ian, I'm Alan Collier, and we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye!